Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us today. Well, today our their topic is the office market. You know, the U.S. office market has been hot. Depending on where you are, that you might even see new construction. Uh, if you're a tenant, maybe you're seeing some rising rates. Well, let's talk to Walter Page. He's director of research with the CoStar Group and see how the market's doing. Walter, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We appreciate it. Now, Walter, how has the U.S. office market performed year-to-date? What do you see? Uh, well, Michael, um, the office market fundamentals continue to improve in the third quarter. Um, current vacancy rate is 11.6%. That's down from 12.1% a year ago. To put some perspective on this, this national vacancy rate has fallen for more than four years in a row uh, and is now really close to the 2005 levels and the long-term averages. Rents have grown, uh, expanded by uh, 3.6% over the past year. Free rent concessions have generally come in. That compares to 2.6% rent growth a year earlier, so clearly an upswing on rents, too. Uh, Driving the improvement in fundamentals was a solid string of net absorption. We had 23 million square feet of positive net absorption in the past quarter and 77 million square feet over the past year. This is the highest four-quarter level so far in this recovery, and it represents a growth in demand of 1.1%. That's very impressive numbers. I mean, did you expect the numbers to, to be this strong right now? Um, actually, the, the market is tracking exactly where we thought it would, uh, and this is principally because the job numbers are, are a little bit slow, but we thought they'd be slow, mm-hmm. and we expected that the... Um, the market would start to pick up, shadow supply is diminishing and things like that. Okay, and is this recovery across all classes and geographies? So it is, um, it's a focused recovery. Uh, we see three major themes. Uh, the first theme, I would say, is that tenants want nice space. So what we're finding is top tier space, which we define as four and five star space, or people might call class A space, has achieved Net absorption rates double their fair share. So, so on the magnitude of two-thirds of demand is going to this nice space, and it only represents one-third of the market stock out there. So that's clearly a, a big thing. The other uh, big theme with this nice space is they want a, a good location, and, and that's generally a, an urban location, close-in suburban or a CBD locations, because those markets have done exceptionally well in terms of net absorption. So markets like Houston, uh, West Suburban uh, have done well. San Jose's, Cupertino, uh, I call it the Apple effect, has done well. Boston, Cambridge, and even markets like the Dallas CBD. The second big theme that we see is that technology markets, energy markets, and healthcare markets have all leading in the recovery. Um, in particular, San Francisco is the poster child for this because their rents are up by 60% since the recession ended. Houston rents are up by 40%. Uh, and, and then for the healthcare segment, uh, we're finding that medical office vacancy rates or anything medical related tends to have one to two percentage points less lower vacancy rates than the overall market. And then the final theme that we see is that tenants are using less space, um, less space for job. And this is in particular impacting lower quality space. In fact, we've seen a 15% reduction in typical tenant space usage over the uh, last 12 years. Uh, so clearly, that is another general theme. 
Okay. So what do you expect moving forward for property level performance in 2015? I mean, these are some pretty strong numbers. Do you expect it to continue? So given the office demand growth is uh, about 1.1%, but job growth, uh, in particular the office segment, is growing at a 2% rate, we're looking for the net absorption number, which was 77 million square feet this past year, to be over 90 million square feet in 2015. Additionally, we expect office rent growth, which was um, 3.6% this past year, to continue to be in that 35 to 4% range for 2015. Okay, and we're talking with Walter Page, Director of Research with the CoStar Group. And, Walter, let's look at the investment market now. What do you see for cap rates? Where are they trending today in the office market? So, um, cap rates peaked at about 8.6% uh, in 2000, early 2010. They've declined... Uh, about two percentage points for institutional property and a, a little over one percent for non-institutional property. Uh, today we see that the cap rate, most of that cap rate decline has happened uh, prior to 2014 with generally stable cap rates uh, over the past six months or so. Interesting. So the Class A rates are down near 6.6? And uh, how about uh, B product? Uh, I guess you're getting a, a better return there. How much higher are those rates, cap rates? For the um, non-institutional, closer to 7.4. Okay, 7.4. Now, what do you expect for cap rates moving forward? Some people are concerned that a rise in interest rates could uh, impact cap rates and values. What do, what do you guys expect to see? So we think the capital markets have anticipated uh, a rise in interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we think the pass-through rate from an increase in interest rates should be relatively low. Let's say if you have a 1% rise, you're going to get less than a third of a percent uh, increase in cap rates. For investors, this basically means the days of cap rate compression are over, but don't necessarily look for a huge um, reversal in the cap rate trend either. Okay. And what might be some tips for investors uh, in the office market today, Walter? So we think uh, 2015 is a good year to start new construction. Uh, We think that because people who start early in the market cycle tend to do better. Mm -hmm. Um, We also like fixing broken real estate. Uh, So -hmm. that means if if a building has an occupancy challenge, if it needs a renovation, uh, value-add investing, I I think, will do very well uh, going forward, principally because we still see a couple um, of good years left in the market cycle in terms of occupancy gains. Okay. And you guys are looking at these numbers all the time. And, uh, it's interesting, I guess, what you see sometimes. Is, is there anything in the, in the trends and in the numbers that, that jumps out at you that we should think about? Well, uh, one of the things that, that jumps out is that the level of in-process construction has increased by 25% uh, over the past year. Mm-hmm. So we now have 100 million square feet underway, uh, mm-hmm. in particular Houston, has 18 million square feet. Uh, New York has 10 million square feet underway. So clearly the construction uh, pipeline is starting to pick up, but we don't expect the construction deliveries to exceed net absorption until about 2017. And how about trends with, with tenants? You talked earlier about tenants using less square footage, and are you talking about them using less square footage per employee or just less square footage overall? Uh, on a per employee basis, we had been seeing about a 2% rate of decline uh, 
we see some indications that that rate of decline is now slowing to a 1% rate of decline, uh, and it, it is mainly focused to uh, lower quality space, um, people who are more price sensitive. I see. And what do you expect moving forward into 2015 to impact the office market? Uh, is it the economy? Is it interest rates? Or is it just jobs? Jobs is the number one driver mm-hmm. of um, real estate demand. As long as we have good job growth, and, and, and we do expect to have good job growth, mm-hmm. uh, we will have a very solid real estate market. The other thing is that we've already gotten rid of all the excesses from the last recession, so the the tailwinds of shadow supply and things like that are gone. And what do you expect for financing moving forward? Uh, are uh, is there ready, readily available financing for the office sector right now? Do you expect that to continue, or, or can you get a loan to to build a new office building today? Uh, there is plenty of capital available for real estate. Uh, what we have seen is that the level of pre-leasing required by lenders uh, has gone up. Uh, used to be that you'd have to have 30% pre-leasing. Uh, today, that number is closer to 45% pre-leasing based on our statistics. And it's been that way since the recession ended. And um, that, But you still have capital that's available. Well, that's interesting. So in that way, I guess the office sector is kind of taking care of itself because there's going to be less new supply if you've got to have those kind of numbers for pre-leasing, right? Yes, and the other thing is that we're finding that rents just, don't justify construction. So we only see construction roughly a third of the major markets. So two-thirds of the major markets have limited construction, and basically uh, investors are waiting for rents to get to a level that they can um, make sense out of the uh, new construction investment. Well, that makes sense, and, and well said. Walter, thanks for joining us today and sharing your insight. We appreciate you being on. Thank you. If you'd like more from CoStar, visit CoStar. They have incredible information on the office market across the U.S. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about the U.S. office market. Please welcome my next guest, Michael Kruklinski. He is head of real estate with Siemens. Michael, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for having me. A good talk uh, from the sunny Munich. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for calling in. And uh, you guys have a new program called the New Wow Program, and I want to hear about that. I mean, everyone's interested in, in what progressive companies are doing with their office space uh, these days, whether you're a landlord or a tenant or an advisor. It's very interesting to see you know, what companies are doing. So first of all, why was the decision made to switch to more uh, open plan workspaces at Siemens sites uh, around the world? I think it's a very good question. Thank you. Um, we, we want to continue to be an attractive employer, and that was one of the driving forces for us to do this. We did some studies on some companies and found that some of the leading companies are moving towards that. And you have, uh, you know, everybody talks about the Googles and the Facebooks of the world. It was some of the 
um, workforce that, that they're, they're attracting, we're also competing with that. And so that was one of the things that we said, we need to find a new way of working. That's what NWOW or NewWOW stands for. And the, that was really the driving force to find a way, uh, a good way to attract and, and keep, keep talent for us. Yeah, that's important. And what are some of the other goals and benefits that you found from this new WOW program? Well, one of the benefits that we found, too, is that we were able, obviously, to reduce our footprint that, uh, that we were using and uh, therefore drive a little bit of the cost down. Um, but mainly what we found is people are actually talking with each other again. <laughs> one study that was done in, in Brazil and, uh, and also in Argentina where we implemented this, they actually measured the email traffic, the inter-office email traffic, and it went down like 30%. And people are actually talking with each other again. What a novelty. That's fantastic. I mean, I can't stand it when I see people emailing people and they're uh, tw- 12 feet away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why don't you go talk to them, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe it'll get more done. Well, what kind of savings uh, have you seen where you've uh, implemented this program? So <laughs> we started the program out with a with a desk sharing ratio of 1 to 1.3, and we've increased it to 1 to 1.5. And so you can say we're probably you know, saving like 30% of the space. Um, but we also have a lot of auxiliary spaces, you know, meeting spaces, phone booths, and, and ad hoc touchdowns. Uh, so we see some, some reduction in the space. Um, but uh, again, the, the driving force for us was to, to be an attractive employer here and, uh, and to also have something where people like to, like to come to. But also, for us, it's not only about the office space. It also means the cultural change. Uh, how do I manage people? And not everybody, you always have to be in the office or in the same office. You can work remotely and those kinds of things. So just the employee satisfaction played a big role in this as well. Well, that's important. It's not just about reducing your office cost. It's about improving your bottom line, right? And if you, you're retaining more people and not having to retrain, uh, that alone could be a huge savings. Well, how, how have your employees responded uh, to the transition? I mean, I, mean I, I think if I had a, a private office and all of a sudden I've got four or five people within earshot of me, you know, it might take me a little while to get used to that. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'm not your demographic employee, uh, but uh, how, are they, how are they looking at that? Well, you're absolutely right. We have the, um, the employees that finally I have my office, finally I have a window, and now I have to give this, give this up in the environment. It's a, it, is a, it is absolutely um, a difficult thing uh, for some people to grasp. It's also, but what's even more difficult to grasp for people is that, heck, you know, I can't stand over your shoulder anymore and see what you're doing because we also promote working remotely, and that mean, can mean from work from home or from other places. It's really how do I manage people was a big challenge, and then it's a challenge on, uh, yeah, I don't have an office anymore. But we're doing it also by leading by example. I don't have an office anymore. I lead the Americas, but I don't have an assigned office with my name on it uh, because I travel a lot, and uh, I don't need to have that. It's a waste of money, waste of, uh, uh, of real estate if I would have that. So we're leading by example in doing that. But the most interesting thing for me was that in South America, it was a lot easier to implement. We have a lot of examples there than it is actually in the U.S. We have a lot more challenges to, uh, to do this and to overcome exactly what you said in the U.S. 
That's interesting. Well, Michael, if you need some office space, you can come uh, to my office, and I have a broom closet they've put me in, and I'll, I'll share that with you, okay? Uh, Sounds good. I don't need much more than that. <laughs> We're talking with Michael Kuglinski, who is head of real estate for Siemens, about their, their office space, the uh, new WOW program. So, Michael, what tips would you share with a company that's looking to switch to more open floor plans? You don't treat it as a real estate project. Um, for us, when we start these projects, it is real estate, it is HR, and it's IT. All these things have to come together. So when I was asked to do the interview today, uh, one of the instructions said, you know, call in from a landline. I'm calling in from Munich. Well, I have trouble finding a landline. Uh, we do uh, voice over IP. We do cell phones. We don't have a lot of landlines anymore. So your technology has to work. My phone number follows me wherever I go. So it really has to come together, technology, HR, and the change management, and the real estate component. All fractions have to, have to work together to make this successful. And you have to start early. In Mexico, when we moved from our old site to the new site and implemented this, we started almost a year in advance with the change management, talking about how to manage people differently and how to, how to do things differently. It, it, you can't start early enough. So morale has improved? Yes, I would say in all the places where we implemented this, at the beginning, 80% of the people were skeptical. And four, to four weeks to you know, 12 weeks after implementing this new way of working, and if I would tell people, are oh, we going to go back to the old environment, they would fight me. <laughs> so once people have embraced this and, and start to like it, it's really it's a very, very positive feedback that we're getting from everybody. Have you found any health-related issues with someone maybe sharing a cold and having more sick leave issues? Very interesting that you asked that. I, I never heard anything like that, that we have, you know, like people sitting on the top of each other there. Um, and it's actually a cleaner environment, to be honest, because we also have a clean desk policy. So at the end of the day, you have to have everything gone. You don't have food and the leftovers and that kind of stuff laying around anymore. So it maybe makes, makes even a healthier environment you know, because of that. So do you have to change some of your procedures? Like are you doing more janitorial than, than you would because you have shared spaces? Uh, what are the changes have you had to make in, in making the operations? Some of the changes were, for example, that we discourage people to eat at their desk. We have larger cafeteria and the areas where they can actually have a, what we call meet and greet areas where they can eat. So you don't have it at your desk anymore because someone else might sit there tomorrow and, and uh, just improve this a little, little bit. Uh, just janitorial frequency of cleaning and those kinds of things. We didn't change any, anything there. But people have a little bit more conscious of what is happening around them because they might sit at a different spot the next day. So is the, at each spot, is there a phone and a, and a computer screen and you bring your own laptop? What's it look like? No phones, mm -hmm. um, but every spot has a, has a, has a screen mm -hmm. and you bring your own keyboard and uh, you come with your laptop and you plug in or your wireless, you bring your headset, it's all voice over IP, it runs on your laptop and your number follows you around wherever you are. So I can be working from Buenos Aires tomorrow, and you're still dialing my 407 Orlando number, and you don't even know I'm working from Buenos Aires tomorrow. Wow, that's interesting. So I guess you have to have a, uh, a lot of power on your Internet there, right? A lot of bandwidth? Ab absolutely. I mean, that, that, is, that is a key, and to be able to work wirelessly, you have to have a lot of you know, connectivity points where you, can, where you can plug in there. But we, we try to work virtual it really doesn't matter anymore where you, where you are, and I can sit wherever. All right. Well, Michael, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll have more on the office space in the U.S.
I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're talking about the U.S. office market. And one of the things that's interesting about the office market is how do you manage all these properties? Well, please welcome my next guest, Stephen Ring. He's managing managing director with Cushman and Wakefield. He's responsible for investor services in Northern California, consisting of over 28 million square feet and a team of over 125 members. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. Good morning. Well, first of all, I have to ask you, you know, how is the office market in Northern California? Is it just crazy? What do you have? What do you see there? Uh, you know what? It's another gold rush, to be honest with you. <laughs> cool. It is reminding me of the days uh, about seven years ago and seven years before that also. <laughs> so a gold rush of investors buying assets and uh, tenants leasing space, the, the whole nine yards? Exactly. I mean, we're at a point now where unemployment's like falling below 5% vacancies down to about 8% almost, and uh, the investors' appetite just continues, and the uh, pricing reflects it, obviously. Yeah, well, that's great. And um, one of the things that people are concerned about is, is uh, sustainability and lead certification. You know, how are these um, initiatives impacting bottom line numbers on a lot of these large office properties uh, that you're asset managing? Well, um, I have to say, I've been involved quite a few years in it, so I've seen it as it's progressed through. And interesting, in the beginning, having a LEED certification, for example, was a big differentiator in the San Francisco market in particular, whereas now it's sort of course of doing business. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that we are finding savings, be it energy, water, uh, trash. It's just a bottom line benefit that uh, comes out in reflected in the uh, net income. But more so, what we're also finding is the other um, pieces of sustainability is that it's also creating spaces that really attract top talent. And we've had some uh, major clients of ours who said, we really never saw that impact, that when they come into a space and we're trying to attract these employees, and you can imagine the talent pool is very limited, having spaces that have sustainability um, pieces to it and more productive looking spaces really helps them attract top employees to their company. So that's the other added benefit we're seeing. Yeah, that's key. The, the bottom line savings uh, is uh, very important, but uh, getting the right tenants in there is maybe even more important. Well, what tips would you have for property owners who may be hesitant to invest in sustainable initiatives? You know, there's the old saying, start with the low-hanging fruit, um, and it still applies. I mean, there's um, where, ways where you can start with just, you know, simple, as we say, changing out the lights, changing out lighting controls, such as motion sensors. But one of the things that I say to owners so they don't get too caught up, because there's a lot of neat technology out there from solar to wind and so forth like that, is start with saving energy first. In other words, as we say, the non-sexy things like new windows, insulation before you start creating energy because if you think about it, that's what you're doing with solar start saving energy first 
and then go to the next step, which is usually a higher investment a lot of times. Right. So get it, get it going, start somewhere. Well, have you found any employee or, or tenant pushback on green initiatives? I know one initiative I heard of was the, instead of having people come in and turn on the utilities to clean at night, they, they want to clean during the day. And I don't know if I want someone cleaning my office during the day while I'm in there. Do you get any pushback on some of these issues? Um, you know, it, it's interesting. We have, be it in Northern California, you know, it's uh, different than the rest of the world, quite frankly, and we know that. Um, we did, uh, here and there, we'll get some pushback. You know, we have some funny stories, like I remember employees um, in one building, we changed out all the um, aerators, like in the kitchen, that's, you know, where the water goes through, and one employee called downstairs and said, you know, this is annoying, because now it takes about 10 seconds more for me to fill up the coffee pot. <laughs> and then after the first couple of days, they're like, okay, we understand it, you know. Right. And another case where uh, an employer was upset that their employees had to go all the way across the hall to a compost bin because composting is mandatory in San Francisco. But again, after a few days, and it's really changing as we're finding this new generation is, is just growing up with recycling and composting. There's an expectation when the employees come into an office, what are you doing company and what are you doing building to lessen the impact uh, upon the world? So. It's, it, it's much different than it was a few years back. We're short on the break, but what's in the future uh, of green initiatives? There's a lot out there on the initiative, a lot of neat technology, but really what it comes down to is where we're, where we're going to do our voluntary efforts and where mandates are going to come in together. And I think that's where the two have to sort of meet together. Um, but I think we're seeing some good things that are coming out of it uh, for the future. Yeah, I think technology uh, is really improving, so uh, that might be the, the next wave. Well, Stephen, thanks for joining us today. We sure appreciate uh, you being on the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the U.S. office market, including cap rates, investment sales, and more. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. Well, today we're talking about the U.S. office market and you know, we're looking at tenant strategies, landlord strategies, investor strategies, and please welcome my next guest, Jim Bacata. Jim is VP with Highwoods Properties. Jim, thanks for joining us here in Studio One today. Thanks, Michael. Fun to be with you. Well, we appreciate you having the, the, your, you here. You're always insightful. Uh, you guys handle a lot of real estate around the U.S., and you get to see from the kind of the ground level what's going on. And, and that's my first question for you. As, as an owner, as an operator, you know, what are you seeing for performance on some of the properties and some of the areas you have around the country? In our 10 markets, mm -hmm. we're seeing steady growth, steady uh, occupancy gains, um, not only in the, in the markets we're in, but in our portfolio. We're seeing good uh, rent growth really uh, across the board. And, and, and it's probably best summarized as, you know, 10% rate growth um, on, on average over the past two years, so say five and five um, on face rates. And uh, I would say that, the, that our effective rates are up you know, better than that, maybe pushing close to 15 because concessions are down, 
um, and tenant improvement packages are a little, little bit less. So our effective rates are, you could probably say across the board, maybe 10 to 15 percent better. And, and, wow. and we see that trend continuing. That's pretty amazing. I mean, have you seen that kind of growth before in, in your history? I mean, that seems pretty high. Pretty um, you know, if things are things are are better now than they've been uh, in quite a long time. I yeah. mean, we have seen this kind of growth, but not you don't see this kind of growth often. And it's a function of supply and demand. You know, mm-hmm. Econ 101, supply right. and demand, and and it's a function of dwindling uh, supply and steady uh, demand. The demand's not robust, but it's steady in all of our markets. And you know, job creation. Is, is happening. Um, uh, office space absorbing job creation is happening in virtually all of our markets. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's that's strong. I mean, the job increase in jobs really helps the office market, doesn't it? So, but you've also hear about uh, tenants and companies uh, reducing the amount of square footage. Uh, you know that people are working from home and they're sharing desks. Uh, what are you experiencing there? I mean, you're you're getting more occupancy, but are some of these tenants using less space? Yeah, some are. Yeah. Um, but there are a lot of factors. That's a it's a it's an interesting mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. There there there's a complicated answer for it. Um, but every market is different. Some markets you just simply cannot get more dense. Mm-hmm. Like you take a a market that doesn't have. Um, any extra, you know, parking outside, and maybe doesn't have good rail service. Those markets, you can only get so many people in in the building because the parking facilities will only handle whatever is zoned. There are a lot of our markets are, are zoned for two and a half to, to three per thousand parking in the building itself. Mm-hmm. And if you do not have outside parking, and if you're not rail served, you're not going to get density up. And some markets mm-hmm. are like that. So, so in those markets, we're not we're not seeing the densification. And some of those markets are a little lower price per square foot. So. Uh, users are not as focused on on densification in some of the some of those markets, but in urban markets where there may be uh, where you're on rail and and you have uh, perhaps some outside surface parking, you can get your density up and and in those markets um, where it's feasible, yeah, a lot of a lot of employers, a lot of users are looking for more density. Well, that's interesting because I think a lot of our listeners are in these major gateway markets, so maybe they are experiencing more uh, dense use of office space. But uh, but obviously, we have listeners all over the country that may be in some smaller markets. So what you say, what you're saying there is they may not be seeing that that issue uh, because there's you just don't have the capacity and the parking and that sort of thing. It's just not feasible in and some markets, and 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 but but you know you also have a certain. Uh, you know, tenant uh, or user type that uh, really is probably not going to densify very much. A lot of law firms, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, you know, the partners still want their offices, mm-hmm. um, their associates, they may be in um, workstations, but you're trying to recruit and compete against other law firms, and you're just not going to shove people into small cubes. And, and so um, it depends on the, on the type of, of a tenant, but um, we're, we're not seeing as much uh, densification as you hear about. We're seeing, we're seeing some of it. And one of the trends you see is, um, you know, there may be, in some instances, a little bit less me space, but more we space mm-hmm. to compensate. So the big collaborative areas that, that people like to get together and, and have meetings and discussions and kind of cool out, you know, we're seeing uh, nice break rooms. And, mm-hmm. and, and so there all those factors come together and yeah there's a little bit of densification but i think what you hear it's a little bit more over it's a little overhyped okay well you know that's interesting you talk about recruiting and, and uh 
you know, keeping your employees in-house, in uh, then that's one of the things that we've done is we have some private offices, and most a lot of our competitors don't have private offices, and they're in cubes. So, you know, I think some businesses are going to benefit from that if they want to go ahead and pay and, and keep some of these private offices. It's also interesting, the millennials, you know, are they, are they going to be okay in these cubes or when they start being more executive-paid uh, folks, are they going to want private offices? And where are we headed? Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, you know, depending on the industry, mm-hmm. I think it's important that you you, you know you, certain people in certain positions they just have to have a private office. Um, you need a private office if you're you know you've got an issue with an employee, you got to pull them aside, mm-hmm. talk to them, and you you know there are there are there are always going to be there's always going to be a demand for um, private offices, yeah. and it's not everybody's not going open office crazy. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, no, I, I have a private office. They stick me in the broom closet right here. Right. So. <laughs> well, I, when you're the CEO of a company, you have to wear a lot of hats. Right? Right, you get up, right. you make the, make coffee in the morning, and yeah. uh, then if you have to clean up, you tidy up, right? Do whatever you have to do. That's right. That's right. Um, well, I want to ask you, too, about is it time to build? If the market's that robust, are you? Or is it time to build? We're building in, in a couple of our markets, but mm-hmm. most of them still have uh there's still a premium um required to support new development costs Mm -hmm. above the market rates so you know as we see rent growth um approach the cost or that 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 that, uh that you have to come out of the ground and pay x amount of dollars for for a building you got to get a certain yield on that as a developer and uh, um and you you just are it's going to take a little more time in the market for us to see a lot of a lot of construction. I think yeah. we're going to see some more run up in, in rent rents before we're going to see a lot of development. Well, good. I want to hear some more about that and about the investment market. We'll look at cap rates. Stay tuned. We'll have more. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about the office market. My guest is Jim Bacchetta. He is with Highwoods Properties, and uh, they own a lot of office properties. And, Jim, the investment market for office properties around the U.S. Is, has gotten hot. Some would say it's a little frothy. You know, what are you seeing out there for the investment sales arena? It's hotter than it's been uh, in this cycle. This is really, really hot. Frothy is a good word uh, mm-hmm. to describe it. If you're a seller, it's terrific. If you're a buyer, it's very frustrating. It's challenging. Everybody's trying to buy good quality trophy assets, and we are. Mm-hmm. Um, we sold, you know, most of uh, most of our non-core assets, um, you know, in the last cycle, at the end of the last cycle. Fortunately for us, good timing. But um, we're we're buyers, and. Uh, you know, our chief investment officer, Ted Klink's pulling his hair out. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very tough. Cap rates are low. Um, there's there's great uh, competition, and uh, it's tough if you're trying to acquire. Yeah. What are you seeing for some sample cap rates on some of the properties that uh, you guys are going after? Oh, well, you see, you know, plenty of sub-seven stuff. Um, you're even, you know, you're seeing where, you know, of course, in the office market, we're, we're seeing uh, different rates for different product, but we're chasing you know, the best assets in the best markets. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, well under seven. Yeah. Okay. And what do you expect moving forward into 2015? Uh, you think the the office markets continue to improve and you think the investors are still going to be hot after a, 
uh, office properties, or, or is there going to be any impact from uh, what we expect to see some uh, rising interest rates, right? Well, I think uh, demand for good quality office buildings mm -hmm. will continue. Mm -hmm. um, we aren't seeing a lot of new supply, as we talked about a minute ago, so mm -hmm. I think we're going to continue to see rent growth. And underwrite, we're underwriting increases in rent, mm -hmm. and everybody is, because it's inevitable. Supply and demand uh, is, is going to drive that. And uh, so I think you're, you're, we're really going to see uh, cap rates stay low for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and, and if interest rates rise, could have some effect. Uh, probably won't have a, a real big effect because most of the, the big buyers aren't as, as uh, tied to interest rates. Like we're, we're a real estate investment trust and mm -hmm. we're low leverage. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the rate, rate doesn't have that much of an impact on, on our cost of capital. It has an impact. So there may be some leveling off of yeah. uh, yeah. Okay. And you talked about you really have to have some great rent growth and occupancy growth in these markets to build. You are building somewhere. What are you seeing for construction costs and how's that impacting uh, new supply levels? <clears throat> construction costs are rising everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, materials, labor, it's just in, uh, getting uh, more and more difficult mm -hmm. to pencil uh, these new development um, opportunities. Uh, so that's why we're only doing you know a couple of them, and they're they're you know we're typically the only thing we're doing is build the suits, um, because okay. uh, um, you know and there are some markets where uh, no large blocks exist, so a new user in the market is going to require new construction, and, that, and those are good opportunities for build the suits. Uh, but we're seeing uh, cost per square foot approaching 400 bucks um, in particularly in the urban markets where mm -hmm. there may be uh, some logistical challenges. Um, the uh, you know, in the in the suburban markets, in which we're really not in, you're you know closer to probably low three hundreds. But and that's um, that's all inclusive, so that's your soft cost land, everything. Yeah, and okay. and that would be structured parking included structured in that parking, uh, yeah. number that's pushing four hundred bucks. But, but that's not cost to stabilize the asset, right? Um, yeah, yeah, that 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 would get you with uh, within a reasonable say two year lease up. That would get you up around four hundred bucks. Okay, but it takes longer than two years then. Yeah, you're <laughs> north of four hundred. So you're not doing any spec building yet. No, and we're not seeing much of that in in our markets. There, there are building there's building here and there, um, going up spec, but usually there are uh, known substantial um, uh, prospects in the market when you when you see a spec building. But no, we're not seeing a lot of spec construction in our yeah. markets. Yeah. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here in Studio One. Pleasure to be here, Michael. Thanks. Well, thank you. And uh, be sure to join us next week. We'll be talking about Emerging Trends 2015. This is a, a great report. It's put out by ULI and PwC. It takes an interesting look at what's going to happen in 2015. Thanks for joining us this week. Till next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Florida International University. Earn your commercial real estate master's degree in as little as 10 months. Visit FIUonline.com. And Bull Realty Commercial Brokers, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. And France Media Publications and Conferences. For exposure to the world of commercial real estate, visit francemediainc.com.